Welcome to today's edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. In addition to feature reports, I'll bring you a look at regional and national agricultural news. And the show starts with a look at California agricultural news. The best farm show on dirt is coming up quickly. The International Agri Center is preparing to host the 57th Annual World Ag Expo in Tulare, February 13th through the 15th. The World Ag Expo welcomes attendees and exhibitors from around the world and provides a platform for networking, education, and business. Last year, the show saw more than 108,000 attendees from 49 states and 56 countries. Over 1,200 exhibitors shared 2.6 million square feet of exhibit space in 2023. Show officials note that 97 of exhibit spaces were sold out as of January 19th, and domestic and international ticket sales are trending at record levels. There is so much innovation to see on the showgrounds, according to Stan Creelman, 2024 World Ag Expo chair. He says from large manufacturers to small innovators and every solution in between. Organizers predict 2024 may be a record year for the show. For more information, go to worldagexpo.org. Mina Farms has been cultivating cherries in Merced County for three decades. It was established by the Iyer family and the company's cherry orchards framed by the coastal mountain range stand as a testament to their commitment to quality, according to the company. The journey of cherry cultivation unfolds through the Pacheco Pass, providing Mina Farms' orchards with cooling nights and warming days, making their cherries among some of the first to be picked in California. After 30 years of growing cherries and seven years of custom packing and marketing, they are poised to embark on a new chapter with the introduction of Mina Packing, that according to Chris Medeiros of Mina Farms. This family-owned packing operation integrates with orchards and sets a stage focusing on gentle fruit handling and blending tradition with cutting-edge technology. Construction of the approximate 100-square-foot facility and cold storage units began in 2023 with Unitech and Van Rock as key partners for the machinery and equipment. The decision to establish this new facility aligns with reducing transportation distances, enhancing fruit quality, and prioritizing environmental sustainability. Maderos emphasizes that bringing packing closer to home eliminates the need to transport cherries to facilities across multiple county lines. In addition to the facility, the company has a dedicated wetlands restoration project that will contribute to carbon sequestration initiatives for environmental well-being. The facility's investment not only enhances fruit quality and sustainability, but also provides economic benefits to the surrounding disadvantaged communities, according to Mina Farms. In addition to these benefits, the new facility provides Mina Farms with better control over their product through vertical integration. After seven years of custom packing agreements, they are excited to open their state-of-the-art cherry packing facilities, the only one within Merced, Stanislaus, Fresno, and Madera counties, according to Maderos. There's a greater supply of Radicio Rosa from California available. They have ideal growing conditions this year, according to Francesca Fordyce of Jay Marchini. She says their yields are better than expected, so they have more supply this year and the quality is good. They're getting the coloring from light blush to the pink magenta, so it's really beautiful, she says. When it comes to good growing conditions, when planting the tender-leafed mild chicory item, it can't be too hot. Then as it's growing, cold temperatures or lighter rains work generally only when the crop is young. As it grows, though, it can handle even colder temperatures as long as the outer leaves are developed. 
Following planting in late summer to early fall, harvest typically begins around Christmas and into the first week of January, and it's all harvested at that time. The chicory also grows green, and once the outer leaves are removed, the inner pink leaves are revealed. Supply should be available through Valentine's Day, possibly into March if supply allows. That stretch into March largely depends on how demand develops, especially next month, given that February is the ideal month to ship this winter seasonal chicory item, particularly for Valentine's Day meals. As for pricing, with greater supplies, it's steady and similar to last year's pricing. Port of Oakland full import and export container volumes rose in December of 2023, showing signs that cargo volume at Oakland is returning. Full imports rose 16.4%, moving 76,347 TEUs, or 20-foot containers, in December of 2023, compared to 65,566 TEUs in December of 2022. This is the highest monthly total since July of 2023. Full exports also climbed 12.9%, registering 65,801. TEUs in December of 2023, in contrast to 58,302 TEUs in December of 2022. 2023 finished strong. Carrier on-time performance has improved importer confidence and provided valuable vessel space for the agricultural exporters to move their products from Oakland, according to Port of Oakland Maritime Director Brian Brands. He says they anticipate a continued rebound in 2024 as they move on with their plans in modernizing the port and reducing emissions from their maritime operations. West Coast ports are also seeing an increase in container activity due to shippers rerouting cargo originally destined to go through the Panama Canal. The drought in Panama is limiting vessel traffic to U.S. Gulf and East Coast ports through the canal. Oakland ended 2023 with a total of 2,065,709 TEUs passing through the port. That is down 11.6 percent from 2022, and full TEUs declined 10.1 percent. MTM ports dropped 9 percent with 12,200. 210 TEUs transiting port facilities in December of 2023 versus 13,419 TEUs in December of 2022. Empty exports declined 15.9%, handling 21,655 TEUs in December of 2023 compared to 25,741 TEUs in December of 2022. The California Cotton Jenner Growers Association, Fresno County Farm Bureau, California Fresh Fruit Association, and the Western Agricultural Processors Association, with others, are partnering to provide tractor safety, train the trainer. Beginning on March, the trainings will be covered in English and Spanish, and there will be seven on-site tractor safety workshops in the following areas. Fresno, Tulare, Wasco, Madera, Turlock, Airbuckle, and Chico counties. The lockout, tagout, fall protection, and PPE safety topics will be covered via webinar. These workshops are for owners, managers, supervisors, safety personnel, or for those who are responsible for training. Each workshop attendee will be provided with a binder that includes the information needed for understanding the rules, regulations, and conducting effective safety training. Each attendee will also receive a certificate of completion for those that participate in the full class. In addition, the association will be conducting walkout, tagout, fall protection, and personal protection equipment webinars in the spring. Details will follow on those special events. The cost per training is $60 a person for members and $80 for non-members. For more information, log on to agprocessors.org. 
Assemblymember Don Addis has put forth Assembly Bill 1833, also known as the California Grown Mushroom Act. Addis emphasizes that California holds a position of the world's second largest mushroom producer and asserts the necessity of transparency for consumers and recognition for the state's farmers. The bill proposes a labeling system to indicate if mushrooms are locally produced in California. The bill addresses the issue of deceptive marketing strategies in a mushroom sector by introducing a California grown label. Supporters of the bill include the California Service. Certified organic farmers and family-owned business Far West Fungi. Aaron Razor from Far West Fungi points out that California farmers deal with some of the highest production costs globally and believes the bill will enhance transparency for local consumers and provide farmers with a unique marketing tool. Assembly Bill 1833 is currently pending referral to the Policy Committee. Addisu was elected to represent the Coastal 30th Assembly District, includes parts of San Luis Obispo, Monterey Counties, and a section of Santa Cruz County. She is the author of this bill. Many raisin growers are having a hard time mechanizing their processes. The cost, as well as the time it takes to utilize newer technologies, are prohibitive for some. This challenge is mainly due to the raisin industry in California and around the world still being dominated by the Thompson seedless variety, which doesn't lend itself easily to mechanization and a reduction in available labor. Chris Owens, head plant breeder at Bloomfresh. So I've been around for many, many many, many years. It's a very old variety and it's been used for everything. They use it for table grapes. Historically, they even, um, it even gets turned into bulk wine. You know, it it gets um, fermented into like kind of like a neutral wine in some cases, but it forms the basis of the, the, the raisin industry. Um, And there are some newer varieties that have come onto the scene in the last like 10 to 20 years, but there's still a very, very minor portion of the market. And so the challenges that the growers are facing is that um, their production costs have gone up and mostly that's due to labor costs. And it really doesn't matter where you are in the world, labor costs have, have increased. And so that and the and raisin, raisin production is not as profitable on say like a per acre basis as you know, like say wine or fresh fruit production. And so any increases in their production costs really, uh, really bite away at the margins to the growers that are trying to grow raisins as their primary business. Um, and so they've been trying to make some improvements, um, you know, in trying, so they're, they're sort of on this path towards mechanization, um, which has some challenges in its own right, because a lot of the raisin growers are not used to that type of production. So everything's completely new to them. Um, it's not necessarily new to someone that says grows, um, that grows wine grapes for bulk wine production, but it's new if, if, if you don't exist in that world, a lot of it's very, very new. And so there's, uh, it's, it's, it's just new technology, a new way of farming that's not used, that the growers just aren't used to. And then you have on top of that, the problem with this, this old variety that everyone has is not really well suited for this style of production. So if you want to try to mechanize production of raisins, you, you, you pretty much have to switch to a different variety. I mean, there's some wiggle room there. There are some different production systems for, um, you know, dealing with the variety, with the older varieties in a more mechanized scenario, but it's, it's difficult to do. So you really have to, um, 
you would really need to switch varieties. And so that has a little bit of a challenge as well because it's expensive to remove a vineyard and then replant it. So um, you have to be in a position where you can afford to um, you know, basically rip out an old vineyard and then replant. So it's, it's a very expensive process to switch the variety also. Modernizing these raisin growing systems are where opportunities lie for increasing the bottom line. At the forefront of that space is Bloomfresh with their dried on vine or DOV process, which allows growers to modernize their systems. Unlike traditional methods, DOV allows grapes to naturally dry on the vine, eliminating labor-intensive processes like cane cutting. This not only enhances sustainability, but also significantly boosts profitability for raisin growers. That starts with developing new varieties that are more suited to mechanization. They need to be very high yielding to start with. Um, but then there's other things that really get kind of into this, some of the details of just, you know, grape growing and production, you know, so varieties that are well suited to a type of pruning system that you could use machines to do instead of having hand labor for the pruning process. Um, and so the, that's like sort of one of the check marks we have to have to have to have to meet for our new varieties. They have to actually be things that you can prune using um, machines. And then the big one is also harvest. So hand harvest is, is probably the most costly portion of raisin production. So trying to get to the point where you don't have to actually harvest by hand. Um, and there's, there's sort of um, paths where you can kind of go partway and maybe not all the way to mechanization, which would be helpful in the interim. But in the long term, we're trying to get to a, a world where almost everything is, is mechanized. Besides dropping production costs substantially, switching varieties to those more suited for mechanization in a raisin growing system helps growers keep up in a dynamic world market. Owens explained additional benefits. A lot of our varieties, you know, I'm trying to be a little bit conservative and I like tell people that they, they seem to be about twice as productive as the like the older varieties. But honestly, I think they can might be even more than that. It's it's one of those scenarios where you have to kind of do a trial on a much larger scale in order to really come up with like a the, the correct answer. But I think the you know increase in productivity is gonna be a huge one. Um, like an interesting one to me is that uh, if you grow these old varieties, they have to be on a fairly wide spacing because they would traditionally be laid down on paper trays and then the sun would come in and dry them. But this is towards the end of our summer into September and the sun's already lower in the sky at that point of the year. And so they need to have the rows wider and so they can still get capture some of the sunlight because that the raisins are in between the rows of the, of the vines. So if you don't need to do that, if the plants are, if the fruit is drying naturally on the plant itself, you can tighten the spacing. And that alone, even if there was no other change, would improve the productivity of the variety of the of the field. Um, so I think there's a lots of you know side benefits to switching over to some of the newer varieties. You're listening to my ag life. I'm Taylor Charlstrom. The 24 states that produced the most milk totaled 18.1 billion pounds in December, down 0.1% from December of 2022. November's revised production at 17.3 billion pounds was 0.6% below November of 2022. The November revision represented a decrease of 14 million pounds or less than 0.1% from November's preliminary production estimate. The USDA says production per cow in those states averaged 2,030 pounds for December, one pound above December of 2022. The number of milk cows on 
farms in 24 states was 8.9 million head. That's 17,000 head below December of 2022, but unchanged from November of 2023. U.S. milk production during the October to December quarter totaled 55.6 billion pounds, down 0.6% from the same quarter in 2023. The average number of milk cows in the U.S. during the quarter was 9.36 million head, 16,000 head less than the July through September quarter, and 44,000 head less than the same time during the prior year. The Surface Transportation Board has announced it has adopted a final rule to amend its emergency service regulations to provide immediate relief for shippers in certain situations. The rule says the board may act on its own to direct emergency rail service and establish an accelerated process for acute service emergencies. The board has heard from a broad range of stakeholders about inconsistent and unreliable rail service and issued two orders mandating service in urgent situations. Stakeholder concerns have included railroad crew shortages and the inability to move trains, tight car supplies and unfilled orders, delays in transportation for car load and bulk traffic, and ineffective customer assistance. This approach to managing service emergencies is a long-needed reform that will help level the playing field for shippers where rail service failures have caused an acute threat to their business or when emergency relief is necessary to protect the public, according to board chair Martin Oberman. Ag tractor sales closed out the year ahead of 2022 levels, while almost all tractor segments saw declines in both the United States and Canada. Farm News reporter Michael Clements shares more. The latest data from the Association of Equipment Manufacturers shows total U.S. farm tractor sales fell 5.1% in December compared to 2022, while year-to-date sales came in 8.7% lower than a year ago. However, AEM Senior Vice President Kurt Blade says it's a mixed bag among the segments. We saw some real strength in the traditional ag markets, whether that's self-propelled combines, articulated four-wheel drive tractors, and those tractors over 100 horsepower all saw decent growth throughout the entire year year. But we did see softness in those smaller horsepower tractors. Under 40 horsepower tractors and 40 to 100 horsepower tractors were actually pretty soft for the entire year. And that indicates more of a consumer mindset than the traditional ag mindset. The under 40 horsepower segment saw a jump in sales during the COVID-19 pandemic that continued into 2022 before fulfilling much of that demand. Those were largely consumer models, not necessarily a traditional row crop audience. So when we see the declines in those numbers, I think that's more of an indication of that need had been met so strongly a few years ago. It's going to take a while for that market to kind of catch itself back up. On the flip side, looking at those row crop tractors, those tractors over 100 horsepower, seeing those up 5% year over year is a really good indication of the traditional ag market continuing to be strong for off-road equipment. The data also shows strength in articulated four-wheel drive tractors, with sales up 30% in 2023. If you think about that size of tractor and the use of that tractor, that's a good indication of overall optimism in the ag market. That's a pretty large piece of equipment and a significant financial investment. But also also know that some of that equipment goes into other sectors, including construction, which is accounted for in these numbers. But overall, seeing about 1,000 new units of articulated four-wheel drive sold in 23 versus 2022, that gives me a lot of hope for the future. Blade says he is confident in the strength of the equipment market and its long-term growth. I wish I had a crystal ball to look into 2024, but I can say people around the world have got to continue to eat. And the long-term outlook on agriculture continues to be strong. Folks don't buy 
a tractor or a combine or an articulated four-wheel drive tractor for next year's planting and harvest. They buy it for the next five to 10 years of operation. So yeah, there's certainly some storm clouds on the horizon, but long-term, agriculture continues to be a strong bet. Add to that, the advanced technology that's being incorporated into machines today is really driving new demands. Almost every manufacturer has a brand new piece of equipment that they're putting out there that is making significant gains for the farmer in their efficiency. The full reports can be found in the market data section of the Association of Equipment Manufacturers website, AEM.org. Michael Clements reporting. The world's first sustainable aviation fuel plant opened in Georgia recently, setting the stage for a huge new market for ethanol and farmers. Amid the loss of more than 437,000 farms since 1981, USDA Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack told those at the grand opening of Lanzajet Freedom Pines Fuels in Soberton, Georgia. This company, this project, this industry provides a ray of hope to reverse that trend. Vilsack says the new industry holds the promise of some 3 billion gallons of ethanol demand by 2030 and 36 billion by 2050, with much of the credit going to farmers. The fact that this facility is taking uh, and using ethanol is a reflection of uh, a number of dreamers and warriors decades ago who saw the opportunity to convert corn and soybeans into a variety of fuels. And Vilsack called the grand opening a celebration not just for the U.S. and its farmers, but for the world. Why is that? Because at the end of the day, if we're really to mitigate the consequences of a changing climate, the transportation sector clearly has to get to a net zero future. In order for it to get to a net zero future, uh, aviation uh, has to get there as well. And Vilsack says the airlines have sought and encouraged SAF production amid last year's first ever transatlantic flight by Virgin Air using 100% sustainable aviation fuel. USDA and the Departments of Energy and Transportation have also teamed up to jumpstart the industry. Treasury issued interim guidance last month that allows emission modeling favorable to SAF tax credit eligibility. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Net Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. It's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. Thank you.